Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today, we are joined again by Taylor McDonald, the human behind Bindi's Bucket List, an Instagram account with over 50,000 followers whose main focus is canine enrichment and the ins and outs of dog ownership. This is our second time having Taylor on the podcast, so we are so excited. Let's go. And it is getting harder. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we are here with Taylor McDonald from Bindi's Bucket List to talk all about canine enrichment again. So welcome back, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. We are so excited you're here. We know that people loved the first episode um, and it felt like there was nowhere near enough time to dive into all the things we wanted to talk about. So we are definitely uh, excited to dive into some deeper stuff today. So I know we did this in the OG episode, but for maybe folks who didn't listen to the first one, could you maybe give us an intro to yourself? And of course, you know, give us a quick intro to Bindi and Rosie. And in the last episode, you didn't know much about their breeds. And we saw you recently got your Embark results back. So we'd love to hear about that too. Absolutely. So I'm so stoked to be back. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Taylor. I'm kind of like the semi-invisible face behind all the Biddy's Bucket List platforms. And it features largely our two rescues, Bindi and Rosie, who were previously giant mysteries to us until we just recently got our Embark results and they are 100% village dog. I know to some people that was like a little bit disappointing. People want to like pick out the popular breeds that they see and they do have some really interesting looks to them where they could look like one breed or look like another. Um, So it was one of those things where I thought they were going to be village dogs So I wasn't super surprised, but it's given us this really cool in to talk about what a village dog is and more about such an ancient breed, if you will. What is a village dog? So it's it's not essentially like not a breed. Let me put this in a better sense. I'm trying to figure out how to word it. So it's not like a pedigree breed, but it's also not the same as like a stray or quote unquote, like a mongrel per se, essentially village dog breeds were the dogs that would be on the outskirts of the beginnings of communities. So when dogs were originally bred, there was always still these little village dogs that were around these communities and they would be used to breed in with certain breeds as well. So they're essentially like the first dogs that were in these communities and they represent a bunch of different places. So like there's the American village dog, there's Asian village dogs, there's African village dogs. And even though that they're all 
from such different places geographically, like a breed, they still have very similar traits. So a an American village dog can still share a lot of the same traits that an African village dog has, even when they're obviously so geographically different in the world. That is so interesting how that can carry over from like continent to continent. Um, but that says something about, you know, how dogs became dogs. That's so crazy. I love that. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially like for me reading about that, because you would think with like such a huge space in between these dogs there's no way that they could essentially even look alike but they're generally tend to be like these fairly thin noodly type-esque dogs that have generally pointed ears and they're essentially like the og scavenger basically um so that's basically why i think my dogs love the foraging enrichment so much. That kind of really made sense to me when I read that. Um, but there's still a broad type, right? There can still be little things here and there in the village dog. And I'm still learning a ton about it, right? Because I've been reading a ton about it. I'm still like very new to it all. But it's all very, very interesting, of course, for me anyway. No, that's so cool. Um, speaking of enrichment... <laughs> Speaking of, Um, when you were on last year, we did talk a lot about what canine enrichment is and why it's important. Um, So if you've listened to that episode, or rather, if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go listen. It's a fantastic episode. We learned so much. Um, But let's dive into the first question we have. So the first thing we want to chat about is your sensory yard. So we know that you did a sensory yard last year and then you upgraded it, I want to say, this year? So, yes, the original year that we did it was two years ago when we moved into our new home. And I think it was like the perfect storm because we had just moved in the middle of the pandemic and we had a lot of time to create this space. And it was super, super fun. It really took off. People really loved it. And um, a little bit more about it. It's essentially where you make your space into something that is sensory, not only for you, but for your pets. So it can be done in a variety of different ways. Like we've had the sniffy wall. We had like little lounge areas for the dogs, different textures in the yard for them to enjoy, different scents, water features, and nothing that was like overly expensive or overly hard to do. Like we just have a small space. So I wanted to create something fun in a small space. This year, we didn't get to do as much, unfortunately. Um, We did, however, uh, completely change the yard into clover, which that was really cool. We had really wanted to do that because having two young female dogs that squat, urine spots were like a huge thing to upkeep last year. Oh, interesting. I would not have thought of that. It was really cool. And I wanted to try it out just a little bit in the beginning because People were like, oh, there's going to be a lot of bees or, oh, you know, it's going to take over. And what if you don't like it? But honestly, we had no problem with the bees and we we had no problem with how it spread because we like we end up liking it and it held up great with the dogs. Um, That's very cool, Taylor. And then this year we didn't do as much essentially because last year we did set up a lot. So we essentially brought a lot of the older things back into the yard. So a lot of the plants we used the year before we brought back in. And then unfortunately 
um, I had kind of a setback. So I had wanted to plant the whole back of our yard with a bunch of dog friendly plants. And unfortunately, in a windstorm, our whole fence ended up coming down. Oh, no. And when they came to replace it, the people that came to replace it, because it had to be um, like kind of like set up so that it wouldn't fall into our yard, they unfortunately like squashed my whole garden. Oh, <laughs> oh that's terrible. So it, it really sucked, but it was it is what it is. At least it'll give me like a fresh um canvas to start for next year but it did suck at the time but what can you do (laughs) amazing okay so I want to save enough time to like really dig into this one so you posted some information a few months ago about contra freeloading which is something I'd never heard of before so can you tell us more about this concept at what it means and why it plays into canine enrichment. Absolutely. So I love talking about um, contra freeloading because it's an old concept and it's essentially a concept that runs through the baseline of why so many people with captive animals, like say rescue organizations, zoos, everything like that, have these enrichment programs. So contra freeloading is essentially the concept that when you give an animal two types of identical food. So that's key here. They have to be identical in value and you provide one freely. So for example, just a regular bowl and next in something that requires effort to obtain. So for example, we could say a Kong or a puzzle feeder. The animal generally will pick the food that requires effort. And this shocks many people, right? Because everyone's like, work smarter, not harder. Like why would anything, dog, person, any kind of animal, choose to work harder. And the science behind it is really, really cool because essentially what the science found was that the act of working for food was more enjoyable for these animals than actually obtaining the food itself. So, and it relates to this theme on dopamine and anticipation which is really cool. So your dog gets so excited at the thought of obtaining the food that it actually outweighs the food excitement itself once they actually get it. Okay. So I last week read about this, read read your posts about this, and I was like, I'm going to try this, but I didn't do it right because I didn't have two identical foods. So I took uh, some Marshall's kibble and I put it on a snuffle mat And then I took some Marshall's kibble, but I put his normal like fish oil and pumpkin on top Mm -hmm. and I put it down and I put him into a sit and then he went right for the bowl. And I was like, you're lazy. Okay. I'm going to have to retry without the pumpkin on top. Yeah. So some people, it, it totally, right. Lots of people have done that where it's like, that's the one of the key factors. It has to be identical. And obviously as well, there's going to be scenarios. It's not going to work 100% of the time, right? So one interesting thing as well is that the study found that one of the animal species that didn't um, correlate with this um, theory was house cats. So if you give cats the contra freeloading concept where like there's a bowl and there's something to play with, they're usually going to pick the bowl, which is really interesting. Cat energy, love it. (laughs) doesn't mean that they can't benefit from it whatsoever. Like I don't want to say that and people go, oh my gosh, my cat's not going to enjoy enrichment. That's not necessarily true whatsoever. Um, Also, our dogs have to have access to food, right? If you give a starving dog a bowl of food in front of them and... A, a toy they're gonna go for that and say if your dog has like 
a busy day as well. Say they're kind of having one of those days where it's been really busy. You've been going around doing a million things. They might opt for the bowl. So there's lots of little things that it could be as well. So don't worry. If it doesn't work every time, that's normal as well. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, this this was the first time I'd ever heard of contra freeloading, and I'm 1 million percent going to try it with both of my dogs because I want to know what kind of lazy scale they lay at. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that information with us. We are going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be right back with some kibbles and bits, a fantastic segment that we've got happening. So we will be right back with that. everybody welcome to our segment kibbles and bits so in this segment we learn bits of information from our guests through a series of fun questions so taylor are you ready to experience kibbles and bits i am Amazing. Okay, first question. Very on brand. Ken's go. Favorite type of canine enrichment? So my favorite for my dogs is definitely like snuffle mats or foraging activities. No brainer given how much they absolutely love anything to do with foraging instincts. Love that. Okay, what is, second question, what is one thing you wish all dog owners knew? I wish they knew a semblance of dog body language. I think it's so dynamic and diverse. So I think that should be like one of the most important things that people learn when getting a dog. Yes, one million percent. I am clapping back over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's so many misconceptions when it comes to dog body language, so I can definitely appreciate that. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. Last question of the segment. Favorite dog-friendly spot to take, Bindi and Rosie. I love the watering can. Uh, which is essentially a pet-friendly plant nursery in our area. It's beautiful, dog-friendly. They also have a cafe. It's awesome. Yeah, we love the watering can. We went there around this time last year, and it was the most fun and so many cute photo opportunities. Yeah, right? There's so many really cool things in there, and they also do really fun classes out the back. Like, you can make, like, wreaths. You can make, like, urns and cool stuff around this time of year. It's awesome, and their baked goods are amazing. Yes, we did their afternoon tea. We got it to go, and then we like had a little picnic with the dogs, which was oh, that's so cute, adorable. And there's also an amazing winery up the road from there called Stony Ridge. If you haven't yes. been, good one. 
Yes, they're lovely. And if you can get like a spot around one of their campfires, it's the best. It's aesthetic. It's very aesthetic. It's very on brand for this time of year. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, there you have it. Our kibbles and bits segment. Thanks, Taylor. We'll be right back to talk more about positive engagement during enrichment activities and enrichment for fearful or anxious dogs. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW podcast with your hosts Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we are talking with Taylor from Bindi's Bucket List all about canine enrichment. Yeah. So in the first half of today's episode, we heard about Taylor's sensory yard and about the concept of contra freeloading. So let's get into the second half of today's episode. So, Taylor, let's talk about enrichment for fearful and nervous dogs. What do you typically recommend for nervous pups? What tips can you give us? So when it comes to nervous and fearful dogs, the key I believe is to take it very slow and essentially explain things a lot more than you might have to do with say a dog that's not fearful of things that are noisy, things that are clanging about, things that are moving erratically, because that tends to be a lot of what we see with enrichment toys for dogs, right? They tend to skitter, they tend to bang, they tend to just go all over the place because typically that's what dogs love to chase. But when there's a nervous dog in the mix, something like that might be extremely scary and might do exactly the opposite of what we're intending it to do, which is be enjoyable for them. So typically when introducing something, I say introduce it at the most basic level. And I know it might seem like common sense to us, but it might not be essentially for your dog. For example, even a Kong, I would introduce just plain kibble inside, loose rolling, just to reward your dog with any kind of movement, right? And maybe even putting a mat down, having that enrichment on a carpet so that nothing's going to bang around or move sporadically, like I mentioned. Also rewarding positive engagement. So if your dog goes to Um, say, investigate in a positive manner. Maybe they're going to sniff the Kong. Maybe they are licking the Kong. Maybe they're just trying to get a sense of what it is. I always recommend like raining treats. Go for it. Just sprinkle them on. There's no sense of like, you can't do that. They should be figuring it out on their own. No, help them out. There's no problem with that. And helping them feel comfortable is key in ensuring that they're going to do well with whatever you introduce. Another thing is opting for toys that are appropriate. So I always say starting off with things that are more dormant, like snuffle mats or maybe a foraging towel, fun things like that, that aren't going to be over the top and crazy like we talked about. And then you can graduate to those other toys when they're ready and opting for softer toys. So I love the Kong Wobbler, but it's not a great mix for a dog that's skittish, right? Because it's big, it's clunky. So maybe opting for something like the Planet Dog Snoop, which is a softer rubber. It's still going to move around, but not in like the big clash bang mentality of the Wobbler, which is just larger than life in an enrichment form. It just, it's so loud. Um, But just things like that and 
always just going at your dog's pace. There's no right or wrong for how long something should take. If it's taking your dog a bit longer, maybe they're taking a bit longer to get used to something, that's okay. Amazing. I never in a million years would have thought about all of those things and thought about like some toys being like louder and clunkier and more sporadic in their movements because Marshall is not a very sensitive or nervous dog. He can be nervous and weird about very specific things, but if it involves food, he's all over it. So I would never have thought of that, that those would be things that dog owners might have to think about. Yeah. And I would say too, when you mention food, that's another good one to bring up as well, is to use very high value food as well. We want to make it worth their while because if they're nervous, if it's not high value enough to them, they might just go, "Mm, no, it's not worth me putting myself out there to try what this is, right? So even with something like the Snoop, you could just like have it absolutely full to the brim, which normally we wouldn't. We'd have it a bit lower so that it would take a bit more time to go back and forth and release the treats. But to have it full like that will reward any kind of positive movement, which is always good in the first introductory stages. That is super helpful. Okay, this feeds into our next question really well. Kenz, want to hit us with the next question? Yes, I sure do. So I'm getting into canine enrichment with my dog. How do I spot positive engagement when I introduce a new activity? And what should I be looking for? This is a great question because it goes kind of hand in hand with what we just talked about in Kibbles and Bits with the body language, because people automatically assume that because it's an enrichment toy, it's going to automatically be enriching for the dog. And I actually just had a post on this today because I think it's so important. Um, What you should be looking for, is your dog actively engaging in this toy? That's one of the first things we should look for, because if they aren't engaged in what they have in front of them then it's not interesting to them, right? It's not going to bring out these things that we want, like they're foraging, licking, chasing, chewing, all these innate canine behaviors that enrichment is supposed to bring to the forefront and supposed to bring an outlet for. So you want to look for engagement. But what does the positive engagement look like? Things like coming back for more, that's huge. You also see that in interactive play between dogs. When a dog is coming back for more, it's genuinely a good sign. Also, um, your dog isn't pacing negatively. Maybe their tail is, it depends on your dog. Some dogs have weirder signals, but for example, some dogs might be lick-lipping, which can signify a stress signal, right? Something like that, pacing around the toy, maybe barking at the toy when they don't understand, destroying the toy out of frustration. Those are all examples of maybe they need a little bit more help. Maybe you need to spend a little bit more one-on-one time kind of at the easier stages first. And I see that a lot where people will go, oh, well, my dog just absolutely destroyed this toy. Um, I just don't think they liked it. But the reality is, usually it's out of frustration because when they don't know how something works, they're going to take the easiest step they know how. And that's just going to be, okay, I don't know how this works. I'm just going to try and get at whatever I want. So I'm going to rip this apart. So another thing to remember as well is that People often think like tail wagging is always good and it not it's not always. It just depends on the scenario. So I recommend like cue stacking. So essentially you're going to look at the pieces of body language 
And together, you'll be able to decide if it's positive. For example, like we said, coming back to the toy, always a good sign. Loose body language is always good. It's usually an indicator of play and fun. Whereas rigid body language is not the best body language we want to see with enrichment. It's usually an indicator of a little bit of stress or maybe they're getting a little frustrated with what they have. Um, as well as, like I said, the lip licking, the pacing, the barking, the ripping things apart. But there's really can depend on your dog. And that's why I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend looking into different types of body language that you can see in your dog as well. Yeah, I feel like the more you get to know your dog too, the more you know what their like happy tail wag looks like and what their nervous tail wag looks like. Cause you're so right. It does look different for every dog. And it's taken me, and I still like it's taken me two and a half years, but I still learn more about Marshall every day that I'm like, oh, I haven't seen him do that before. I wonder what that means. And then I kind of watch and observe for a pattern um, so that in the future I can use that to gauge for me, you know. Is he happy? Is he frustrated? Is he stressed? Um, Absolutely. And I definitely think coming from a multi-dog household, I see it more with um, enrichment when both dogs have them as well. Because for example, like one dog might be doing really, really well. You can tell they're very happy, loose body language, they're engaged, they're having a happy tail wag. Um, And then the other dog, maybe they're done and they're watching the other dog and they're a little stiff and you can tell, (laughs) okay, um, I'm done mine. What the heck? Right. They're going, okay, I'm done mine. That might've been good, but I want what they have. So you can kind of see the stark differences when multiple are out. And I totally agree what you're saying. Everyone knows their dog, um, best, especially when it comes to body language. Cause every dog has those little things that make them intricate and unique. Yeah, I've definitely been at events before where like my one of my friends has been like holding Marshall and I'll like see another dog like come up to like do an intro with him and we don't do a lot of intros in public and I can tell right away that he's uncomfortable and I've literally Mm -hmm. inserted myself in the middle before and been like, no, Marshall looks uncomfortable and taken him away and people have been like, what did you see that I didn't see? I'm like, it's the mom eyes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, thanks, Taylor, for sharing all of that awesome information. That was really, really helpful. Um, But we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. been listening to the dog friendly kw podcast and today we've been talking to taylor from bendy's bucket list so before we wrap up today we would love for you to tell our listeners about your new enrichment basics guide and why they might want to buy it and where they could get it oh you're so sweet so we did the enrichment basics guide just as like 
a catch-all for anyone that has never heard about enrichment before. Maybe you're just wanting to learn something new. Maybe you just got a dog. Maybe you've had a dog for years, but you've never heard of it. It's just kind of where all the basics kind of sit. So it's both video, PDFs, and links that um, I've put together just to kind of put the basics together, essentially. And you can find it on through linked through our Instagram, which is Binny's Bucket List. And we also have it linked on TikTok at Binny's Bucket List as well, or on our website at www.binny'sbucketlist.com. Amazing. Uh, amazing. <laughs> Ken's, what'd you say? I said amazing. Oh, we both said amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Taylor, for chatting with us again today. Uh, if our li- listeners would like to get in touch or learn more about what you're up to, they can find you on those um, platforms there. You can find me just where I listed, which was at Benny's Bucket List on both TikTok, Instagram, and on Facebook, or at our website at Benny'sBucketList.com, or never hesitate to shoot me an email or a DM. Um, I'm Benny's Bucket List at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer any questions at any time. Um, I'm an open book. I'm not a robot. I'm a real person. And if I can help you, I absolutely will. Yay. Thanks, Taylor. Well, thanks for tuning in today to the Dog Friendly KW podcast. Till next time. Tell your father the witchy now.